Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome, folks, to the Summit for Wellness podcast. Today, we have a great guest for you. He's coming on to talk about tonic herbs uh, from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective. So our guest has pursued the twin disciplines of Kung Fu and TCM for the past 40 years. He holds master ranks in two Kung Fu styles and teaches for several large international martial arts organizations. His study of traditional Kung Fu has led him to train in the arts of uh, trauma medicine and Shang Kung, which I'm sure I'm going to butcher a lot of the TCM sayings here. Uh, He became a direct disciple of Master Yon Yang Gao, learning herbal and trauma medicine. In addition, he became the sole inheritor of the Gao family healing methods and became their only representative outside the 300-year-old family tradition. He has operated herbal clinics in three states. He teaches at the East-West School of Planetary Herbology, where he conducts online chats in Materia Medica and case studies. And he also mentors herbal students in completing their memberships into the American Herbalist Guild. Please welcome Miles Coleman. Hey, good to be on here, Brian. Thanks for that intro. (laughs) Yeah, Miles. I never knew how extensive your background was um, prior to our talk. Can you go into a little bit about what got you started in all of your uh, disciplines? Yeah, sure can. and I, I hear that from a lot of people. Uh, I guess maybe I need to self-promote a, a little bit more. But um, yeah, um, way back in the 70s when I was a youngster, um, I saw the Kung Fu series, the original one with David Carradine. And um, I was growing up in a very rural community in northern Wisconsin. And it just really made uh, made sense to me um, that lifestyle, um, the holisticness of it, of um, martial movement and philosophy, meditation, and and uh, so I started I started studying martial arts, and then was um, lucky enough to find a kung fu instructor had moved into our area, and that just led me um, deeper down the, the the kung fu trail so to speak and uh, in, in Chinese culture uh, all those things are interwoven you know martial arts spirituality um, cultural perspective medicine it's if you if you study the principles um, they apply to all those different branches um, so as I was studying what was called Shaolin which is a very Buddhist based martial art, um, and is, is, is very dynamic and physical. That led me into the study of what we would call the internal arts, things like Tai Chi and, and so forth and so on. And then I saw that there was um, medicine. There was you know medicine associated with that. And classically, there are like these five, um, five branches of Chinese medicine. Um, and I got really interested in the um, herbal aspect of things in Qigong. And so then, you know, life is a journey. So I got interested in that and I came across uh, Michael Tierra's school and I started training with him. And then I found another Kung Fu teacher uh, and I lived in Taiwan for a while and studied with him and um, on and on and on, you know. So one one step led to another. <laughs> and it all brought you to a point where you are actually now opening up your own school. Is that correct? Yep, that is uh, that is correct. So um, I've always had this saying the last 
you know, few years that there's no difference between a martial arts school and an herb school. Um, and the reason that I say that is I think a lot of the um, attributes you have to have to be a healer or herbalist um, can be um, developed and strengthened um, through uh, martial arts training as well. Um, and something I see in the herbal world, you know, it's a huge explosion. People wanting to be herbalists, they're really seeing it as a profession now. And, you know, they're getting good training, um, but you kind of have to be um, a very strong person and confident and disciplined and willing, you know, to go out there and, and, uh, and heal people. And uh, so I, uh, I, I feel that, uh, you know, my martial arts training has really prepared me to um, help people and empower people. Um, so I've taught for Michael Tierra's school for 20 years. And just recently now I've opened my own school. Um, it's called the Xin Fa School of Herbal and Energetic Medicine. Um, Xin Fa is a Taoist term. It means to directly know something by directly experiencing it. Um, and I think all the good herbalism that I ever learned was um, taught that way in that it was living and breathing and you, uh, you know, you, you had like this direct transmission coming from your teachers. You smelled the herbs, you tasted the herbs, you ate the herbs. You know, it wasn't this kind of um, theoretical thing happening, um, which I am starting to see happen in some, some herbal traditions. It's becoming kind of in, intellectual instead of, um, you know, practical and real. So, um, so yeah, the school is just open. It's heavily based on five element theory. Um, that's a clinical model I found really effective, um, and and uh, a big part of what I'm what I'm promoting. And the goal is to get the information out there and uh, and train competent herbalists because I think it's going to continue to be important in our society as the years go by. So how long is the herbal program with your school? Yeah, so the program is two years. It's a 330-hour program. And, uh, you know, we're the first year is laying a lot of um, foundation, explaining the rudiments, teaching the rudiments of Chinese medicine um, as it pertains to, to herbal medicine. Um, there's, uh, there's modules on that. There's modules on studying Materia Medica, which is um, the study of the you know, maybe upwards of 500 different medicinal substances used in um, TCM-based herbalism. There's medicine-making classes, um, so forth and so on. And then the second year uh, really heavily gets into um, clinical application. You know, um, first year is really that kind of foundation introduction, and then the second year is really honing, honing those talents and clinical work and how to do case studies, um, you know, uh, tongue and pulse, all those important things. Um, so the model I'm following, again, I see everything in terms of martial arts. So the model I'm following is really almost kind of a model of martial efficiency. So having seen herbal programs, been involved in a really great one, I feel I have some ideas on how I can really streamline that process, um, get the meat of the information to people and get them out there practicing, which is where you really learn, <laughs> you know. So are you thinking about adding any martial arts components or Qigong to the school, or, or is it uh, just strictly herbal-based? That's a great question. Yeah, it's a, it's a 
it's a tri-based program. So um, the the main parts of it are the herbal school, uh, and then um, I learned uh, I've studied a lot of different healing methods, uh, energetic healing methods from from things like Reiki um, onto a system that my teacher in Taiwan, uh, Master Yunyang Gao, had. Um, and I've kind of put all that together, and it's a lot of that now is falling under the general heading of medical qigong, um, where people are either doing um, hands-on healing um, and exchanging qi with a with another person, or um, doing specific qigong movements, which means holding postures or teaching postures, using breath and intention, sounds, um, all them to balance the qi in the body. Um, and I call that method um, Ling Qi, uh, which is actually the original Chinese translation of Reiki um, and trying to bring in Reiki practitioners for deeper training. So those are the two branches of the school, and I've set it up that um, hopefully people will be able to cross-train. You know, if you come in as an herbalist, you can learn some Qigong methodology. If you come in as a, a medical Qigong person, you can learn some herbal things. And then the martial arts sort of uh, fills that middle position and that grounding position um, because I think Chinese martial arts um, will really help you understand um, the other, the, the two other sides, whether it's medical qigong or herbalism. And that's really pretty traditional in Chinese martial culture, um, you know, that no matter what style you studied, if you came into the martial part, you would study some form of healing or several methods of healing. Or if you came into healing, you would study the martial side. Um, and when people study the martial side, it, it doesn't mean that you have to go out and be a, a mixed martial arts fighter and you know, and beat people up and things like that. In in China, um, kung fu is really approached as a as a physical art. You know, as a health art or a cultural art. Um, so there's a lot of ways you know you can come into that. And there are, there are certain Chinese martial arts I think that are easy to teach in sort of a module fashion, and people can learn chunks and go home and implement it into their lifestyle. Um, and like I say, then the whole system interfaces. You know, you have you have the physical, you have the spiritual, the mental, um, and and you know create wholeness in a in a practitioner. So, yeah. So you can find out information about the school at blackbeltherbs.com. Do you also have a website specifically for the school? Right now, yeah. The uh, right now the the information on the school is on the Black Belt Herbs website, and you will see uh, there's a heading there for um, Shinfa School of herbal and energetic medicine. Um, I do have a Facebook page um, for the school that I've just started where I'm, I'm putting some really cool live broadcasts on and that's um, the Shinfa School of Herbal and Energetic Medicine. Um, and then there's also a Facebook page called um, Ling Chi as well, L-I-N-G-Q-I, -I, Ling Chi. Um, and I, I post on both of those. So I like to put a lot of information out there, obviously, and um, and raise the interest level and share a lot of stuff and just um, give people things of value whether they're training with me directly or not. So, yes. So lots of places to go and check out Miles Coleman. Let's talk a little bit more about chi. For some people that don't know what chi is, can you explain 
what she is from a TCM perspective? Yeah, that's the, you know, that's a big mystery concept uh, because we don't really have that in um, Western society. Um, you'll find these energetic concepts in indigenous societies um, all over the world, um, you know, under a variety of names. So the, the basic idea of chi in, in TCM, you know, would sort of be like the bioelectricity um, or the energy of the universe that's working behind the scenes. So for sure there are physiological processes going on and chemical and all of that. Um, but the idea is if you could just kind of sort of like keep doing reductionist theory and getting beyond like, well, what's beyond the atom? What's beyond that? Then you're getting down to this idea of this all-pervasive energy that's part of the universe. Um, the Chinese character for it is a picture of a rice bowl uh, with rice and their steam rising off. So the connotation there is is that um, you have energy derived from food and rice is a very vital substance in Chinese culture but then you kind of have this sort of etheric nature as you can see the steam sort of rising off of the of the rice itself. So this connotation that the energy is um, both tangible and intangible at the same time. And uh, this is felt to be the energy that makes the universe run. And the idea in uh, Chinese culture and, and TCM is that you're equally connected to the universe. What's going on in the big picture is going on in your body at the same time, your little microcosm. Um, and so really Chinese culture, Chinese medicine, it's, it's all about balancing that chi, that energy, because that's what's really creating health or ill health. Um, and, and all the other ideas that you'll find in, in Chinese medicine or Chinese martial culture or spiritual culture are all about um, keeping that chi harmonious, keeping it in balance. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a difficult concept for Westerners to grasp sometimes initially, yeah. So uh, how would I balance chi utilizing herbs? Right. So the idea is, is that... Um, you know, there's just chi, there's just energy, but that it can have these different manifestations. So um, that's where they create these ideas of, say, like yin and yang, where you're you're looking at paired opposites, or five element theory, or six stages or four, four stages. So there are all these ideas of how you're going to sort of intellectually um, perceive energy. Um, if, uh, if, uh, if you look at the five branches of Chinese medicine, you have acupuncture, uh, twina, which is a form of body work, you have food therapy, you have uh, herbalism, and you have qigong. And those all are focused on balancing the qi, but they all have their own unique uh, methodologies that they do that by. So the herbalist is going to do that from the standpoint of they're going to study these herbs and they're all going to be put in a specific category. So let's say we have herbs that induce a sweat. Um, those are diaphoretic herbs and they are called release the exterior. Well, some of them are hot and some of them are cold. So some, the hot ones are going to induce a sweat, you know, very actively yang by opening the pores. The cool ones are gonna sort of like release surface tension, they're, they're yin. So the herbalist is going to put together formulas um, that do all different kinds of things. Maybe they're clearing heat and they're releasing the exterior and they're moving blood and they're tonifying. Um, so by doing that, um, if the chi is you know weak or stagnant or whatever it may be, 
The formula is designed to bring that chi back into balance. Acupuncture is going to do that through needle manipulation. Food therapy is going to eat foods energetically appropriate for your constitution. Qigong is going to do that through um, its methods, breathing or hands-on. Uh, body work is going to you know, do the same thing. So um, they're all sharing the commonality of balancing that chi through their own methods. Harmonizing is, is really, really important. So uh, in today's society, what are some ways that uh, chi starts to become deficient or starts to deplete? Right. So America is a really paradoxical country um, because I think a, a lot of Chinese medicine was created in a culture of deficiency. It was a huge culture. There wasn't enough food. There wasn't enough, you know, of other things. America is strange because it's like we have this seeming abundance of everything. Um, but uh, the paradox is, is that in Chinese thought, you know, anything at its extreme can lead to the opposite. So we have so much food, but so much of it is such a poor quality that we're really not nourishing ourselves. So even though we're eating a lot and we're you know, getting uh, obese and, and creating all these illnesses from overeating, it's creating a certain kind of deficiency in our body. And, um, and, and so, you know, there's that. Um, a lot of times people in their quest to um, be successful in a career or raise their families, the first things that they start sacrificing are their health. They stop sleeping less. They sacrifice the quality of their relationships. They eat poorly. They eat infrequently. Um, the, 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 the doubts of being a human being and, and the job stresses, you know, those start playing on their minds and, and beings. So really, um, you know, the idea is we're trying to lead a chi-building lifestyle. And that means you're trying to live a healthy lifestyle um, and not an unhealthy one. So diet, exercise, rest, um, all these adjunct therapies to keep yourself healthy. I mean, you know, I often joke that if most people would um, exercise, eat a little, eat a little better and have some type of spiritual discipline, there would probably be a uh, about an 80% or 90% less need for health practitioners in this country, you know, um, because those are all the fundamentals of human health. And, uh, and if you don't have those things, it's just going to be a cascading effect as more serious disease comes on. Um, Western medicine's very good at treating things where they're in that catastrophic stage, but there's no, um, there's no emphasis on, uh, what was the process that got you there, you know? Um, and uh, Chinese medicine can treat um, serious medical conditions, um, but you know it really shines in those uh, early stages of things, of finding balance, correcting minor imbalances, um, getting people back to balance. Now, you know, now you don't wait 20 years for heart disease to develop. So, yeah. Is there a way that you can overtonify yourself, or overtonify your chi? Yeah, you know, when you um, when you look at the category of herbs in, in Chinese medicine, when you look at the tonic herbs, and <clears throat> I guess that's really kind of our focus today, there are these four different categories. So they'll talk about qi tonics, blood tonics, yin tonics, and yang tonics. Some of them have a more um, feminine cooling building energy. Some of them have a more masculine hot fiery energy. 
Um, and so that's usually the qi tonics and the yang tonics. They create a lot of, a lot of energy and a lot of vitality and a lot of metabolic heat. Um, so you can have these paradoxes where you can be deficient in some of these things, but yet kind of stagnant in excess in another way. So classically, we won't do certain kinds of tonification if people are really um, stagnant or excess because it, it's almost like um, you know shoving a, uh, shoving a cork in a bottle. You just block the flow of things and then things can really get, get more stagnant. So um, all, as in all things, you can overdo it. Um, usually with things like blood tonics and yin tonics, if you do too much, um, they have kind of a heavy moistening nature. They might start to stagnate your digestive process. If you do too much chi or yang tonics, then you could start to literally feel too fiery, too agitated, um, or whatever. So uh, herbal formulas in Chinese medicine are exactly that. They're formulas. There's not really a tradition of taking a single herb. It's always multiple combinations of herbs, anywhere from, you know, maybe four herbs to 16 herbs in a formula, all of them combining and doing specific, uh, specific actions. Um, and if we're taking tonics, there'll be other herbs in that formula to support it, to help it digest, to help it move, to get to a particular location in the body, to make sure that the, the herbs flow in a harmonious fashion. Um, so, yeah, and, and classically, we would not tonify an acute situation. So that means like someone has a, they're catching a cold, they're catching the flu. Um, classically, we would say you're not going to add energy to that because you could add energy to the expression of the, um, of the acute illness. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's certain dictates of when you do and when you don't, for sure. So could you give some examples of what a tonic herb would be or a tonic formula? Right. So um, the, the classic Chinese idea of tonic formulas is you have herbs that are going to have an affinity for one of those four uh, substances. You're going to either qi, blood, yin, or yang. But you could also have tonics that would have an affinity for an organ or an organ complex the way that Chinese medicine um, understands it. Okay. Um, so... And I'm sorry, I'm fuzzing out for a second here, <laughs> Ryan. Would you state that question again? I was asking, could you give some examples of a couple of tonic herbs or tonic formulas? Right, 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 right. So, um, so we have we have you know we have herbs that that represent those four different uh, those four different categories. Um, you know, a classic chi tonic is going to be something like ginseng. There's there's many different genuses of it. It's often combined with other herbs that help its digestibility and help it to be moved. Blood tonics are going to be things like uh, dong gui or he shao wu, um, and they're all equally going to be combined with digestive and moving herbs. Um, yin and yang are um, interesting concepts in Chinese medicine. Yin is basically anything um, that the body is going to use to rebuild itself and maintain homeostasis. So yin tonics are like these deep, deep... Um, uh, restorative herbs that feed the body on a deep level and they often are related to blood tonics but they work on a deeper level and they too can have a very a heavy 
thick kind of nature to them. Um, so they're going to be taken with digestive herbs and, and again, herbs that help move them and get them to the appropriate organs and places in the body. And then yang herbs, yang is more like the, uh, the adrenal energetic output of the body and your heat and warmth and all of that. Um, and so those herbs, because they're very hot and stimulating, many times are combined with, um, herbs that sort of will buffer that effect. So you often will see yin and yang tonics together or blood and yin tonics together. Um, and there's all, uh, you know, when you study Chinese herbal medicine, you know, there's probably about 150 classic formulas to fit all manner of conditions that are going on. So there are um, lots of formulas for qi tonification and blood tonification and yin tonification and yang tonification. Um, and they're very complex in what they're doing. So uh, can an herb be all four, qi, blood, yin, and yang, or can it only be one, or can it be a combination of a couple? That's a great question, um, and, and it would be yes, yes to all of it. Um, and that's one of the things that's <laughs> difficult for people when they study herbal medicine is even though, even though like you'll see these really hard and fast rules, like you never tonify during an acute remedy or an acute situation, all of a sudden you'll find formulas for tonifying in an acute situation. Um, so they have these rules, but you know, they'll, they'll frequently, uh, <laughs> they'll frequently sort of break them. So when you look at herbs according to Chinese medicine and really in other herbal traditions, one herb, you know, might have a half a dozen different actions. You know, it might be tonifying and it might be moving and it might release the exterior. And that's kind of the mystery of herbs is like, how do they know if they can do five different functions, how do they know to do the right thing, you know, and not do the other four? Um, so yeah, to answer that question more deeply, it's like you will find that. You will find herbs in a, in a category um, that will specifically do a function. And then you'll find some that'll have a combined function or have a multiplicity of uses or will have some very unusual paradox quality um, that makes them very useful clinically because people are paradoxes. They're never... They're never, they never purely present their illnesses. They never purely present their constitution. They're always a mixed bag of excess and deficient and hot and cold and up and down and in and out and <laughs> health and ill health, all, all of that. So, yeah. So you mentioned there's probably around 150 or so uh, formulas in the TCM world. Compared to a lot of Western illnesses, that doesn't seem like... Uh, very many, since it seems like there's so many Western illnesses. Why is that? And is Western medicine diagnosing too specifically on things? Or what do you think with that? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there's a there's a saying in Chinese herbal medicine. Well, really all of Chinese medicine. You know, it says like one disease, many formulas. Um, one formula, many diseases. So at the heart and soul of what uh, Chinese medicine is doing is it's not treating Western diseases. It's not saying you have high blood pressure or you have diabetes. It's all based on this idea of pattern discrimination. And the pattern uh, dem demonstration or discrimination is um, this idea that your symptoms will come together in a pattern. 
And so much of that is based on um, the Chinese conceptualization of the organs. So when they talk about your liver, let's say, uh, it's the function of your liver gallbladder. And there may be very specific um, correlations between that and Western thought. But then a bunch of stuff will come in, you know, where they assign other functions to it. And that can be, um, you know, that can be really uh, confusing. You know what I mean? So, um yeah, that, that is, uh, uh, so when you diagnose someone, you're actually uh, finding this pattern of disharmony and that's what you're, that's what you're treating. And so, uh, you know, one pattern of disharmony could literally translate out to dozens of different kinds of Western name diseases. So the idea with, you know, the Western medicine is like we're trying to define an illness and then literally create either a medicine or a surgical procedure to deal with that. Um, so this is one of the things that's really confusing for a lot of fledgling people coming into TCM is how one formula could treat maybe 10 different Western medical diseases that would have no seeming connection according to Western medicine. And again, it's all about that energetics of what's going on, you know. Um, uh, is, you know, is there hot in an organ? Is there cold in an organ? Is there deficiency in organ? and how that's going to lead to um, to all these diseases. Um, and I think that's one of the things that makes it so useful um, because, you know, people, like, like I say, are never clearly defined in their pathologies. So when you have this more broad, open-ended method, um, you can fit people into that. Um, you know, something like, um, something like, well, really, I mean, a lot of the classic diseases Westerners suffer from, you know, pain and stress-related diseases and all that, TCM really does a beautiful job with that because um, it's not, it's, then it's not so much about um, the illness, it's about who has the illness. How do you manifest your high blood pressure and what do you need to do to bring it back into balance, you know, with your constitution and your lifestyle? So, yeah. So if we were to try and help ourselves or to understand uh, the constitution of an illness that we have, do we need to start thinking differently than symptom-based or do we need to start looking deeper at do I feel hot, cold, or what different symptoms feel like on that type of realm? Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, um, some of the, I mean, the TCM has been here in the, this country now, you know, in mainstream for a, for a long time. And uh, it's becoming more and more accepted, obviously. Um, and one of the great things is that there's becoming this, um, you know, this integration of things. And so where in the past, you know, the two systems didn't talk, you know, Western medicine said this and Chinese medicine said that. Now you're having this beautiful, beautiful integration, you know, where people are doing research and they're saying and writing books and research articles and saying, well, if you have high blood pressure, here's how it could correspond to maybe six different Chinese patterns or 12 different Chinese formulas or six different um, acupuncture protocols. Um, so that's really useful. I mean, because now we're really having that integration and in that and that talk or whatever. Um, and I think you know there's a uh, there's a definite movement in Western medicine to get more preemptive. And I think a lot of the idea of um, what they're calling it functional medicine now, you know, to I think take things out of such a um, scientific realm, you know, and sort of like get more real world with people, you know, and uh, and looking at functionality of things and 
TCM is very functional. You know, where it's difficult is it's a very different kind of nomenclature. But it's once you study it and get a grasp on it, it's a it's a really practical form of uh, of medicine. It's just couched in a lot of um, terms that seem very esoteric and strange to Westerners. Yeah. Aren't a lot of the Chinese hospitals uh, starting to integrate their Chinese herbalism with more of a Western medicine approach? Um, yes, they are. Uh, there was a just last year was a group of East West students um, went with uh, Michael Tierra. They went to a couple different medical hospitals and interned there, um, and just came back really excited and all gung ho. You know, seeing about how the the medical model is. Um, uh, you know, they were in one hospital, um, I'm trying to remember if it was in Chengdu or not, but anyway, the hospital was dispensing over 8,000 doses of herbal medicine a day. Um, and the classic way to do that is in these, these boiled teas or whatever. Um, but you know, the doctors are trained in Western medicine and they're trained in Chinese medicine. Um, and they have an understanding that, um, of all the different branches of Chinese medicine, a particular condition might correspond well uh, with one method over the other and same thing. They might say, oh, this is something that is going to really be uh, a good fit for TCM or, mm, you know what, let's do Western medicine with this. Um, but then you'll also see no matter what the primary thing is they pick, whether let's say it's Chinese medicine or Western medicine, each one will support the other. Um, so, you know, you'll see a backing up of pharmaceuticals with Chinese herbal medicine or acupuncture or vice versa. So it's really, uh, really a beautiful model. And I think really, uh, really a good example of like where medicine needs to go and is going in this country. Um, and, you know, hopefully um, America's the land of innovation, but I think sometimes we are a little behind the eight ball. So hopefully we'll, um, we'll be able to do that more and more, you know, get a more integration going. So it seems like a lot of Western medicine is really good at um, supporting somebody if they need immediate attention, like it's a life or death situation. But it seems like right. Western medicine isn't so good at the long-term ga game, right? Where if right. someone's chronically ill, they're not very good at supporting that case. Is there a, a correlation that you've seen over in China where they might use a Western medicine for those immediate I'm going to die cases. And then if it's something that they have more time to work with, they're more likely to use TCM. Yeah, you know, there's a definitely and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stories, you know, from people who were in China, you know, over many decades or had experiences, you know, there's a uh, and and so I'll say this, I think it's like when to decide which one works better than the other um, comes down to, I think, probably a question of intuition. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that is lacking a lot in Western medicine. It's so scientific, it's so cut and dried, you know, and there's mistrust of intuition and body knowledge and, and you know, going out on a limb kind of thing. Um, and, and um that can be that can be kind of restrictive um so you know there's lots of classical stories um you know they tell one in the 50s how a, a group of russian athletes went to china and you know caught uh, you know meningitis viral meningitis serious and they were being treated by their team physician and it wasn't making a dent in it and the chinese were pleading with them to let them use some of their 
classical formulas for a condition like this and they finally acquiesced and the athletes you know responded beautifully and 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 got well um so uh you know when you know when to choose one method over another again i think is it can be dictated by circumstances but it also can be dictated by the wisdom and the experience of the of the practitioner and i think no matter what healing tradition you study whether it's you know western medicine or eastern or whatever that's one of the hardest things to develop um is is the wisdom of when to apply things and you know when to, when to change and shift and that's nothing anyone can teach necessarily in a school that's that's what comes when you get out there and the rubber meets the road and you do it and you succeed and you fail and you struggle and you know try to figure it out so um yeah so through lots of experience lots of experience yeah yep so it's not so cut and dry like people would probably hope you choose one for this you choose another for that Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of people come into alternative forms of medicine because um, mainstream medicine hasn't met their needs, you know, for, for whatever reason. Um, and I think, I think, you know, most of the alternative medicine is fantastic. Um, but if it has a flaw, um, it's the flaw that is in all medicine, which is the individual has to be responsible for their own health and well-being. And, you know, I often tell people, it's like, you, you come and do herbal medicine with me, you're going to get benefit. Nobody, nobody leaves without benefit. Um, and there's sort of like that first layer, that first level. You do it and, and good things, things start to happen. But immediately you're confronted with that second level, which is, okay, now we got to look at this relationship you're in and this job that you have and the food that you're eating and these issues you're not dealing with and you know you're we got to start looking at your whole life and um that's again you know where it's difficult for people um western medicine is very good at kind of setting all that aside and saying well here's this um here's these parameters or here's this high blood pressure and we're going to lower that um and it's very good at doing that, but you know you haven't addressed the root cause. Um, and so, in in Chinese medicine, holistic medicine, it's really vital that we address that root cause. Um, but those are the hardest changes to make, and those are the choices people are making that put them in a, in this situation in the first place. Um, so, if this method has a flaw, it's that it really requires people to be much more involved in their health and well-being, and they're going to have to probably make some difficult choices. You know, they're going to have to make um, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual choices about their well-being, um, and so you know, the practitioner winds up being a life coach and a advocator and a um and a you know hold you accountable and a healer and all those things um so it's it's challenging work you know <laughs> yeah and i think it's definitely one of those difficult aspects of being an alternative health practitioner is a lot of people coming to us don't realize that we don't have a magic pill that fixes everything right and that they have to put a lot of work in themselves and for a lot of people, they're not at a point where they're ready to make that change to invest in themselves. They'd rather go to someone that's like, hey, take this pill, and then that pill might work for a year before they have to 
you know, update their pill or get higher dosing or change to something else. But like you said, that's not treating the root cause. Whereas a lot of times alternative medicine is looking at the root cause and trying to get you to focus on the root cause. And it takes a lot of work as a person trying to get better. It takes a long time to get in a state of deficiency and it takes a long time to get back to harmony or to tonify or to get you back into a state of health right so true and you know we um i i'm very result driven and i think um tcm is very result driven and i you know i would say with you know with the herbal medicine aspect of it and i think acupuncture and the other branches you know it's like people should see benefit in one to seven days um, if, you know, if, if things are right, if I, if I got the pattern discrimination, right. And I got the formula, uh, you know, to be a pretty close match or whatever, um, you should see that benefit in one, seven days. Okay. Um, now that, that might not necessarily mean like, okay, I have migraines and, you know, a course of herbal treatment, they're gone, you know, one or two days they're gone. Um, I've seen some things like that happen. Um, where, uh, you know, there can be some radical improvement. Oftentimes it's more gradual, you know, where somebody says, well, I'm still having migraines, but they're, they're in less intensity or they're less frequency. Many times we'll also see something where you do a course of treatment, maybe for 10 or 14 days, the person comes back for a follow-up and they say, well, you know, Miles, I can't say that it's better, but something is shifting. So, you know, they're starting to um, pay attention to their bodies and they're actually starting to notice um, that something's happening on a deeper level, that things are starting to shift in a positive direction. Um, I think why, you know, people are so fundamentally unhealthy in our society is because they're distracted with so many other things. Um, this is the culture of distraction. And, you know, your body's talking to you all the time and sending you signals and messages. But if you're um, distracted with all kinds of outside concerns, you're not listening to it. And it is going to continue to ramp up its messages to you. So the simple stomach discomfort now becomes an ulcer or a perforated ulcer. Um, so that's a big piece of it, you know, is like getting people to put their health on equal priority, sometimes more priority um, than other things going on in their life, um, and you know, I I would I would surmise that that's probably always been an issue as long as there's been human beings. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> right. So let's go back to chi, blood, yin, and yang. Can you differentiate these four um, even deeper, and then from there? Uh, because we're getting kind of short on time, we can come back next week and talk deeper on about uh, tonifying herbs and more about them after that. Yeah, we can. And let's maybe just do a little brief sort of explanation, maybe a, a little clarity on sort of like those four tonic categories. Um, so I should say real quick, you know, that um, the Chinese idea of, of tonifying is that um, you're, um, you're deficient in something and so you're giving an herb that's going to add into that. So it's almost like, you know, if you were starving and weren't eating, here's food to, you know, fill you up and strengthen you. Um, my idea of tonification is a little bit different. You know, I almost say that anything could be tonifying. So, you know, it's like if you had a real... Um, 
if you had a real excess condition, let's say you had really hot red arthritis inflammation in your hands, and that's what we would call an excess condition. Well, if I apply herbs that are very detoxifying and cooling and clearing, we bring all that inflammation, all that heat, we bring it down. So to my way of mind, that's tonifying because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm bringing things to the middle. If there's too much of something, then I'm bringing it closer to balance. If I lack something, I can bring it up towards the middle by adding to it and bringing it into balance. That's just a little different conceptualization I have um, because that literally would make most of Chinese herbal medicine or other medicine tonifying by nature. Um, and that really is a principle in Chinese medicine is about, is about harmonization. Um, but classically what we're doing when we talk tonics is we're talking um, these herbs that are going to add to the body when it's lacking something. So qi tonics are going to be all kinds of herbs that are going to help stimulate you know, the production of qi in the body. Um, and, and qi is going to enable you to have you know, vitality and energy. But the qi also runs, it's like the electricity running a lot of the organ complexes. So you could have um, poor digestion um, and, uh, and, and we could put qi tonics in there so the digestion works better. So when you talk qi, you're talking the ability of the body to extract um, qi and nutrition from food, you know, water, air, um, and then the sort of alchemical process by, why, by which the body produces qi in and of itself. And there are many, many, many kinds of qi tonics. In Western herbalism, they often talk about adaptogens, that's a term that gets thrown around a lot, sort of like uh, herbs that help the, the body adapt to external stress factors. So if you're not sleeping, getting enough sleep, or, or you have demands on your energy or, or mental process, these herbs can add to it and help you um, um, put out more expenditure, so to speak. Um, so it's, it's tonic idea, but a little bit, a little bit different. So chi tonics are going to help you to do that. Um, blood tonics, blood is a very unique substance in Chinese medicine. Um, it's felt to carry chi to all the organs, but it also stores emotions as well. So things like post-traumatic stress disorder and all kinds of mental illness are often treated through the heart, uh, its corresponding organ, and, and blood. There's a connection there. Um, so blood, uh, blood deficiency is a huge pattern in, in TCM. It's sort of like anemia, but it's more inclusive than that. Um, also ideas of uh, blood stagnation would go along with that. And then, you know, like we talked about, we have yin and yang. So yin tonics are going to be those things that help you um, rebuild yourself. So like sleep is going to be the ultimate yin tonic. Okay. Um, a lot of Americans simply, serve, uh, you know, they, they suffer from burnout. It's just, they don't, they're not sleeping enough. They're not eating the right foods. They're not resting enough. And those are often the things people sacrifice. And then you have those yang tonics, which are creating health and vitality and warmth. Um, the whole um, sexual function of human beings and their libido often falls under the yang uh, tonification category or yang energy. So yin and yang, you know, yin is basically that part of your body that says, hey, Miles, um, go to bed, go to sleep, uh, rest and uh, replenish yourself. And then the yang side is that part of us that says, hey, Miles, get up, get motivated, make things happen, you know, follow your life mission and, and let's do it. 
so to some degree, you know, like the, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. But again, as in all things TCM, much more than that. Well, thanks for that, Miles. That was a great explanation of those four components. Um, thank you for coming onto the show. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about tonic herbs. We are going to do a part two with Miles next week. So, uh, Miles, are you teaching about um, tonifying herbs and stuff in your uh, Shinfa school? Yeah, that's a, it's always been a major interest of mine, um, and the whole tonic harmony idea is, again, something that's a real underpinning, um, and people would definitely learn about that. Um, I'll say real quick, uh, there's an organization called the American Herbalist Guild. Probably a lot of people don't know about that. Um, it's the HG. You can look that up. But it's very uh, inexpensive to join as a member. It's an organization of professional clinical herbalists. And they'll hold uh, monthly webinars. And I believe it's in April. I'm... Uh, I'm going to be doing a talk for them, and it's going to be on constitutional medicine. Um, but I've also done some in the past about tonic herbs, and, and you'll find other people uh, have, have done um, discussions as well. Um, but, yeah, and um, there's, you know, uh, there's a great interest in the Chinese tonic herb and tonic herbs from other cultures. Um, you know, again, you wouldn't think America is going to be a land of, a deficiency because we have so much of stuff but uh you know we use tons of chinese tonic herbs with seemingly healthy people because they're they're really deficient in a lot of ways so yes yep okay you can find more about miles coleman at blackbeltherbs.com he also has his facebook pages you want to uh rattle off all those pages one more time yep Yep, so I've got a number of them. Uh, so there's the, the Xinfa School of Herbal and Energetic Medicine. That's that's devoted to stuff about the school I've opened. I have a page called Black Belt Herbs on Facebook. That focuses a lot on um, treatment of pain and trauma and sports injuries. Um, then there's also the page on uh, the medical Qigong method that I teach on Ling Qi. Um, and that's, those, are all on, those are all on Facebook. Um, and so uh, you'll find a lot of posts kind of going back and forth between the between the three of them. Um, but um, yeah, you can you can check it all out on those three pages and the website. Awesome, Miles! Thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it, cool. and we all enjoyed listening to you talk. All right, thank you very much. We will talk to you next week. You have been listening to Miles Coleman talking about tonic herbs. This is part one of a two-part series on tonic herbs. So listen next week for part two of the series, Tonic Herbs with Miles Coleman. You have been listening to the Summit for Wellness podcast. If you are ready to climb to the peak of your health, visit summitforwellness.com for more information. As you continue on your journey, we hope that you will join us next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.